Well, we're in the book of Habakkuk, and I thought that we would start out this morning by staring at this for a while. Um, for, for those of you who were here last week, you're like, I know what you're talking about. If you weren't here, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, so I'll go ahead and get that off the screen. Um, it is a, it's a trip. Um, we don't drop acid here at Safe Haven. Don't freak out, okay? That's not what's going on. Um, but I would love to show you that illustration afterwards. I still have it on my computer. Um, if you haven't been with us, welcome to Safe Haven. We're going through the book of Habakkuk. Um, and if you've ever been confused in life, if you've ever wondered, like, God, you just don't make any sense whatsoever, well, you're in good company. Not just with us, but that's exactly what this book is about. Habakkuk is saying, God, you do not make any sense whatsoever. Um, and so that's what we've been journeying through. Chaos is abounding in Habakkuk's day. Nations are conquering nations. Uh, the religious people are worshiping idols. There's all kind of really odd things going on. And apparently Habakkuk did not go to enough VBSs to learn that you don't question God. <laughs> now, there's basically two things that happen at VBSs. Uh, you eat your weight in those little cookies... <laughs> that you can stick on your finger. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, And then you drink about 7,000 gallons of Kool-Aid. That's what happens. And you also learn not to question God. Jesus is the answer for everything. Well, Habakkuk apparently didn't go enough to enough of these, and he's questioning God. It's raw. It is gritty. It is real. It is nasty. As a matter of fact, he is praying and talking to God in a way that if it was one of your children, you'd probably go, hey, hey, I don't, we don't do that, right? I mean, this is how raw it really gets. And so we're left wondering, the first passage that we've already gone through, Habakkuk throws all these questions out to God, and we're left wondering, is, is God going to give him a God-smack uppercut and let him fly across a couple of the universes, or is God just going to walk out on him? And go, I'm not listening to that. Who are you to talk to me like that? We're kind of left wondering which one of those are going to occur. This happened yesterday, oddly enough. Um, Me and Cole were eating lunch at a restaurant in town. I won't name the restaurant um, because it's one of my favorite restaurants. And Anyway, there were a couple of the ladies who were arguing. And they were passively, aggressively arguing with one another. You know how you argue and keep smiling at the same time? You're like, well, if you would sweep the floor, then I wouldn't have to clean the... And they were like, and they were really, you could tell that they were frustrated with one another. It was, it was getting pretty, pretty intense finally to the point one of them just grabs her cigarettes and walks out and says, if I don't have a break, I'm going to punch you. And it just kind of smiles. And so Cole's trying to have a conversation with me, but I'm watching this whole thing going on as it, as it takes place. My whole point in saying all of that is you almost feel like that this is what's about to happen to Habakkuk. I'm not saying God smoked cigarettes. That's not my point. But if he did smoke cigarettes, I'm probably the one that would push him to the point of smoking said cigarette. But you, you kind of get that. It's just raw, man. He's just asking these crazy questions. And so to bet today, we get the response. We finally made it after three weeks to verse 5 of chapter 1 in Habakkuk. Um, will God respond? Is God going to respond to this guy who asks all of these questions? I'm going to read it all for us, and then by God's grace, we'll just kind of look through it and maybe see some things. Let's look at it. Um, 
God responds to Habakkuk and says, again, I want to caveat this, maybe as a broken record. Habakkuk saying, God, you're not listening. When are you going to react? What is going on? You're letting evil win. And this is God's response. Now, look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I'm doing a work in your days that you wouldn't even believe if I told you. For behold, what I'm doing is I'm raising up the Chaldeans, Babylonians. That bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings that are not their own. They're dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from them, or in other words, away from them. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like the sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress. They pile earth up, and they take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on. They're guilty men whose own might is their God. That, my friends is God's response to Habakkuk's questions. Fairly odd, isn't it? It's a strange response. But as we go through it, I think we'll see a couple of things in what God's doing here. Um, I'm going to show you three things. There's probably a million more, but I think three things that we can walk away from seeing here. First of all, I want you to see this. This is glorious truth number one, that a sovereign God does indeed answer nobodies. (laughs) Let's don't go any further than that right there. Just the fact that God answers Habakkuk is a stunning thing in the same way that, he, that the fact that he answers any of us is an astonishing thing. Let's never get past that. I think sometimes maybe we see prayer as, well, God's got to do this. He's got to listen to me. God doesn't have to do anything, does he? I mean, he's God. The fact that he listens to nobodies. And if you haven't been here with us, we've already shown that Habakkuk genuinely is a nobody. There is nothing else ever said of Habakkuk in the scriptures. This is all we know of this brother. And he doesn't say anything about himself. He's a nobody. But God answers nobodies. And that is a lifetime of sermons on grace right there. That he would listen to any of us, right? Well, have you ever wondered if God hears you? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever wondered if God cares? You can be honest at Safe Haven. Like some churches you can't be honest at, but here you can be real. Be like, yeah, that's okay. The truth of this is, and one of the things we can glean out of this, is that for millions of people over the ages that have lofted up prayers, God's heard every single one of them. And he does care. Uh, This week, I was reminded of this as me and Julie Beth went to... Kobe's first first concert at Mississippi State. It was it was pretty awesome. And uh, let me just go ahead and say this. Side note, bands sound completely different when everybody in the band knows how to play their instrument. <laughs> like at middle school and high school, for years we went through, and it, always there was the work, you know, and it was usually my daughter. But anyways, that's another story for another day. Um, a whole different thing, but but one of the assistant director. Um, stood up and he said, I've rewritten a Christian hymn and I'm dedicating it to my wife. And I was like, oh, I'm leaning, okay, I'm in, I'm in. And uh, it's the old song, His Eyes on the Sparrow. 
right? And he had rewritten this. And as this song was being played, his eyes on the sparrow, I couldn't help. I just kind of closed my eyes. I promise I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't taking a nap, not in that song, the other songs I was. But um, his eyes on the sparrow. And I know, finish it for me, that he watches me. Have you ever wondered if that's true in your prayers? Like, is that true? Does he really? The beautiful news before we get to anything else in Habakkuk is that God answered, period. That's a grace. It's a great grace. And the Bible proves that to be true. Um, Matthew chapter 6, he provides to the birds how much more value are you than a bird. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7, No one nation has a God like ours who hears whenever we call. That's pretty awesome, right? So the main issue in prayer that we have is not does God answer. The main issue that we have in prayer is the way that God responds, isn't it? So when we throw up the questions, God, are you listening? Maybe we just need to go, maybe I don't like the way you're responding and just get honest with him right off the bat. The answer lies in that misunderstanding, I think. Two things, I'll throw it on the screen and we'll move on. Because most people see prayer as an attempt to move God's sovereign hand to do our bidding. That's kind of how we deem prayer a lot of times, isn't it? Well, it's almost like a lucky rabbit's foot. I don't know why I'm doing this. Do you do this with rabbit's foots, Johnny? I don't know. Um, well, it's how we see prayer. You know, I, I lob it up and, God, you have to answer it. I lob it up and I, I'm trying to force your hand to do something. That's the way that we see prayer a lot of times. So let me give you some examples if that doesn't make any sense. God, please give me another job. Would you please move your hand and give me another job? Or this. Students, God, would you please help me make an A on this test? <laughs> please help me make an A on this. I didn't study a lick. But would you please help me make an A? God, please change my child's heart because it's rotten. Please, would you sucker punch my ex or my coworker? Just real, right? If, if, if Habakkuk is real, we can be real. We throw out these kind of questions. Or this, I saw this on Facebook just the other day. <laughs> please help me win the lottery. <laughs> I, you can't make this up, and some of y'all probably saw this, and I don't know the gentleman, I, but there was a post, and he was asking people to pray that God would help him win the lottery. And, of course, people were putting in the comment section, I'm standing with you, brother, <laughs> a.k.a. if you do, I want to cut. <laughs> That's what's going on there. In other words, God, I'm praying so that you will do my bidding. That's a lot of times what we think of prayer, and that's what gets us in trouble. The Bible doesn't speak of prayer that way, does it? How the Bible speaks of prayer is this. The Bible shows prayer as God's means to move our hearts in line with his bidding. That's what prayer really is. When we pray, God morphs us in line with his will. Troy, what are you getting at? This is big. We've got to grasp this if we ever want to understand what prayer is all about. We go to God and go, God, change this. Jesus went to God and said this. I don't want to drink this cup. And caveat, if anybody should ever get his prayer answered, you think it would be Jesus of all people, right? I don't want to drink this cup. Take it away from me. Move your hand and take it away from me. And then God says what? 
negative. Drink it. And then Jesus responds, not my will, your will be done. That's the essence of prayer. So when we pray, it's more about God morphing us in line with his will than it is us manipulating a sovereign God. Does that make sense? That goes a long way in helping to understand biblical prayer. Another fantastic illustration is Habakkuk. Habakkuk is praying prayers and God's not answering the way that he wants, which leads us to number two. God does indeed answer Habakkuk, and he answers him with some pretty exciting words, some really flowery promises, maybe we could say potential promises. So look at some of these words that he uses. So when he answers, number one, that's a beautiful thing, but number two, look at these words. Look and see. In other words, Habakkuk, what you're praying is already unfolding. Look around you. It's already happening, what I'm doing. Number two, wonder. So when you look around Habakkuk, in response to the way that you're praying, watch me like a kid's eyes on Christmas morning. With that kind of wonder and amazement, you watch me that way. And then be astounded, like riding the Goliath at Six Flags. That's the greatest roller coaster in the history of roller coasters. Can I get an amen if for nothing else but that right there? Amen. I'll amen it. When you ride down and it takes your breath away. Habakkuk, let what I'm doing take your breath away. That's an awesome prayer, right? And then he goes on to say this. You would even believe it if I told you. That's his answer. At that point, if God ever answered you like that, you'd probably be like, yes. (laughs) Cha-ching, right? God, this is my request to you. Well, here's, here's the deal, Troy. Here's your question. I want you to look and see. I'm already doing it. Wonder and be amazed. Be astounded. And you wouldn't even believe it if I even told you. That's when we get pretty excited, right? You think you're all on board at that moment. Now, here's the deal. If you're always expecting God to answer you in this way when you say, God, would you get my lazy husband off this couch? You may be dismayed. He does say, I'm already on it. He does say, watch and believe. He does say, You're not going to believe this. And at that point, in this book, we could tend to start acting like this meme right here. Maybe. Perhaps. I'll take it. Boom. (laughs) Right? You're like, okay, what's going to happen? Right? Okay, yeah, he said wonder would be amazed. I'm going to eat the popcorn and get ready for it, okay? So here's the deal. There's another way that you could hear this verse as well. When he says wonder and be amazed, it could sound more like this. Habakkuk, I'm going to answer you. But you're just going to have to watch. Because you can't handle all the truth that I'm actually unpacking right before your eyes. Now that's two totally different things, isn't it? One makes us giddy and happy and one makes us a little bit nervous. That's the essence of prayer. Let's kind of look at this. This leads to number three. Number three. God reveals that he will use evil to accomplish his purpose and answer Habakkuk's question. That kind of takes that moment. But this is truth. I can do one of two things. I can walk in here as a pastor and fill your ears full of lovey-dovey. God wants to do everything and make your bidding and your wildest desires and dreams. Or I can feed you truth 
And I think this is the truth. Let's relive this in real time. All right? Habakkuk, ask a question. God, chaos is abounding. Do you not care? You're not listening. Will you not save us? God's answer. I am listening. I do care. I know all your needs. And you're going to be stunned by my response. For your good, I'm going to raise up. I am going to raise up bitter, hasty, prideful, thieving, hated, feared brutes who have no sense of justice or dignity. They're going to be well-supplied, incredibly skilled, strong, violent conquerors who have no respect for any earthly authority, nor do they respect me, and they only worship themselves to come and conquer everyone. That's his answer. That don't look like eating popcorn, does it? That's an answer that Habakkuk could have never expected. That's an answer you wouldn't expect. As a matter of fact, that's an answer to the prayer that he offers, that if he gave us that, we would be like, whoa, I don't don't even know if I'm hearing the right God. This is what it comes down to. So God says, this is what I'm doing. That's how I'm going to answer your questions. That's how I'm going to accomplish my purposes for your good and ultimately for my own glory. It's an astounding passage. And it's it's at this point that Habakkuk can do one of two things. He can run kicking and screaming and go, that's not fair, that's nightmarish, and it'll ultimately unravel him into anxiety, disdain, and depression. Or he can embrace God's sovereignty with humility and trust that God is up to something that Habakkuk could not ever understand. We all tracking together now? Where are you at in your prayers? When God answers in a way that you don't expect, you raise your fist. How dare you? I don't know what that was. That was like a 1950 boxing match. (laughs) Or do you go, okay, I don't get it. But you're sovereign. And I trust you. One will lead to anxiety. One will lead to rest. And this is a beautiful truth in the book of Habakkuk. And so with that said, Habakkuk will continue to unfold before our eyes for the next several weeks. That's enough for today. That's enough meat to chew on for a lifetime in and of itself, isn't it? Try to unpack how does prayer work and God's sovereignty and whatever. Let's just pause there today. Maybe six truths I think we can learn out of that. Right. Number one, side note, but it is number one. Let's not misuse scripture. <laughs> I think that is number one. Let's don't misuse scripture. Uh, Habakkuk chapter one, verse five is one of the most misquoted verses in all of the Bible. It's one of those verses people get tattooed on them. I'm doing an amazing thing in your days that you wouldn't understand even if I told you, right? As a matter of fact, I looked up a t-shirt to see if I could just find a t-shirt. One Google shot, and boom, I found the t-shirt. You can purchase a t-shirt with that verse on it. But now, after today's message and text, you should understand what this verse means. This lady is quite literally wearing a shirt that says, the Chaldeans are going to wipe out an entire country. (laughs) That's what she's wearing, right? That's what that verse means. 
So let's don't misuse scripture. I know I probably sound like a broken record saying that at Safe Haven, but it's a record worth being played over and over and over and over. Now let's get to some other things. Number two, God always answers prayer. He always answers prayer. And it's yes a lot of times. His answer is yes a lot of times. And I think the times that we don't feel like we hear yes is the moments that something happens and then we take it and we're like, well, I really made it happen. Or that other person made it happen. Or karma made it happen. Or circumstance made it happen. His answer is yes a lot of times, isn't it? And then a lot of times, his answer is no. His answer is no a lot of times because he's sovereign. And he knows best. So if you're getting the answer no to your prayer, that's what's best. It's the best thing for you, and it's the best thing ultimately for his glory, which leads us to understanding that Garth Brooks was wrong. He was wrong. And I love Garth Brooks. I shook the man's hand with this hand right here. I haven't washed it since. True fact, Julie Beth. I mean, I have washed my hand, but we, I shook the man's hand. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers that's not true (laughs) there are no unanswered prayers sometimes it's yes sometimes it's no the question is will you trust it so i think that's a good thing worth noting then number three god is not bound to use only sunshine and rainbows to accomplish his purposes he's not bound by that I think we only think God is responding when it looks pretty and we can package in it in a pretty little sugar stick. He's not bound to accomplish his purposes that way. He answered Habakkuk in a way that he didn't expect. He answered Habakkuk in a way that he didn't want. And he answered Habakkuk when he didn't want it. This is the deal. Last week, and I I told her I was going to use this, so it's, it's not a breach of confidence. Anyway. A dear sister came up to me after the service last week, and here's what she said. She said, Troy, I think if I could summarize what Habakkuk is saying to me, just in a nutshell, it's just this. That a lot of times, I'm thankful for all the roses in my life. But the question is, will I also be thankful for the thorns? Amen. Number four. God does not have to keep America blessed, prosperous, and free. I think this is a great lesson out of this passage, church. He didn't have to. He didn't do it to the nation of Israel. He didn't do it to any other nation ever. Do we fight for our nation's freedom? Yes. Me and my father-in-law had the great conversation about this in relation with Habakkuk just last week as well. Do we fight for it? Yes, 100%. But has God crushed nations in one day far more powerful than us? Absolutely. Absolutely. He is not bound to do our bidding as a nation. I think we learned that from this passage. And then number five, God's main agenda is one glorious task that we often forget. It's redemption. That's God's purpose in history. 
And when we begin to pray selfish prayers over and over and over, and I'm not saying God does not want to hear our hearts and the desires of our heart. That's not what I'm saying. But when our prayers are nothing more than consistent me, 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 we forget that God's ultimate purpose is restoring a right relationship with the Father. It's redemption. History is not solely about us, and our prayers really should reflect that, right? If history is not about us, then our every prayer shouldn't be just... Me, 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 me. I think we even take this to the extent of the cross. We don't fully understand redemption at the cross. Our systematic theology class, this will be old for a lot of you guys, but we've been diving through heaven and hell on Wednesday nights. Um, We've wrapped it up. We've kicked hell to the curb and embraced heaven and all that kind of stuff. But um, we've been chewing through this. If I walked into this room right now, and, and I said to you, hey, I want you to take a piece of paper and I want you to tell me what was the point of the cross. And you had a chance to write it down. Raise your hands if you would say, well, Jesus died for my sin. Raise your hand if you would say that's the point of the cross. It, it's not a trick question, right? Yeah, okay. And then there may be somebody who takes it a step further and goes, oh, he died for my sin. But he also died to drink the fullness and divert the wrath of God. Like some of y'all would go there too, right? Raise your hand if you're that huge. Okay, you'd go there too, right? Good. So we'd get that, but then we'd kind of stop after that, right? The cross is so much bigger than that in the word redemption. When we think about redemption, we think, well, Christ, the whole, his whole work was to die for sin. And he did. And that is part of redemption. But he also died to redeem time. He died to redeem space. He died to redeem the earth. He died... Let me me paint this. This is good. This is worth the price of admission. And there was no price for admission. All right? So it may not be that good. He died to redeem time. Before the fall, Adam and Eve enjoyed Perfect time, meaning this. They didn't wake up in the morning and go, what time is it? I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. I got to do that. I gotta, I'll be tardy for this. I gotta. Don't y'all feel the pressure of time? What if I was to tell you that before the fall, there was no pressure with time? In a perfect situation, the way God intended is a succession of moments that's to continually be enjoyed. Do you enjoy time itself or does the tick of the clock stress you out to no end? I can see some of you, right? Some of you are already looking at your clock right now going, but he is messing with my Arby's time. There we go promoting Arby's again. Johnny, stop me from promoting. Okay. I need to go eat my Arby sandwich because i got to get the kids to nap because i got to... We feel the pressure of time. At the cross, it wasn't just to redeem us from our sin, but so that one day time itself would be redeemed and we would experience time, a succession of moments, without pressure. That's awesome. But not only time, he died to redeem the earth. What does Romans say? That the earth is groaning, waiting redemption. What if I was to tell you that trees weren't supposed to die? They weren't supposed to cave in. That the cosmic chaos of earthquakes and all that wasn't supposed to occur. At the cross, Jesus set in motion redemption of an earth that would be perfect. Perfect. 
Not groaning, not shaking, not stars falling, perfect to be enjoyed. That's a little fuller look at the cross, isn't it? Not just that, not just time and not just space and all that kind of stuff. But Christ on the cross set in motion redemption of, please get this if you don't get anything else, history. History. History's broken, right? You go to any class, 6th grade, 7th grade, do we start history before that? I can't remember. (laughs) And you look at it and you're like, this doesn't make any sense. Why would that person conquer this person and all these people get killed and and there just be this nasty rape and disease and cancer and all this junk? And you look through the annals of history and you go, that doesn't make any sense. And before the fall, it did make sense. But after the fall, it's all broken and warped. What if I was to tell you that the point of the cross also was so that one day you would enter into eternity and look at history with everything that was chaotic and go, oh, that makes perfect sense. Would you believe me? Every hurt you've ever had makes sense. Every chaotic moment you've ever experienced makes sense. Every question you've ever wondered, every nasty thing that Habakkuk, let's point it off on him, <laughs> that Habakkuk has screamed at God makes sense. Not now. Not now. But one day as we peer and see how big the cross was and how big redemption was, we'll go, God, you're amazing that you took all that mess and made it right. That's the point. See, it's not that we believe a big view of the cross. Our issues lie in the fact that sometimes the cross is actually pretty small to us. It's so much bigger. And I think we can see that. So yeah, as I'll wrap it up. God does allow some events to happen in your life that only, only eternity will reveal the meaning. And I say that to you, brother and sister, as like a friend. Because some of you got some nasty garbage in your heart right now. Like you want to sucker punch me in the face. And I'll be honest with you, if it'll make you feel better, you can punch me, that's cool. I mean, you're not going to make me any uglier, (laughs) right? Um, God's not wasting your hurt. He's not wasting your pain. He's not wasting your questions. And he's doing something for your good and his glory if you'll trust him. Sometimes he purifies a person. Sometimes he purifies a church. Sometimes he purifies, wait for it, a nation. And sometimes he's up to something that we don't even have a category for. Like, I can't fit that in. Okay, I'll shut up. Let's keep going. Number six. God knows exactly how evil the Babylonians were, just like he knows how evil we are. And he offers the crystal clear answer of the cross. That's his answer. Now Habakkuk 
couldn't have looked forward. So it's easy for us post-cross to look back and go, well, of course he's making sense. Habakkuk couldn't have known that. So let's give the brother a break. But ultimately, everything that happened in Habakkuk's day was producing something leading up to the perfect timing of the redemptive work of Christ on the cross. It all goes there. So, our biggest issue, and your biggest issue, is not sickness. Like, that's not our biggest issue. The biggest issue is not your son or daughter. The biggest issue is not your divorce. The biggest issue is not your salary or lack thereof. Your biggest issue is not the society. Our biggest issue is the same as Habakkuk's. It's sin. The people that were conquering people needed a savior. Guess who else needed a savior? Habakkuk. Guess who else needed a savior? Us. Us. And his answer was displayed on an incredible work of the gospel. As the band comes back up. That's a lot in a crazy book of the Bible, isn't it? Some of you guys are just now finding it. <laughs> You're like, Troy, I've been searching for this sucker through my Bible, and I'm finally just now getting to it. In the digital age, it's not that easy. I mean, it's not that hard because we can just type in H, Hebrews, Habakkuk. There he is. It's a weird book stuck in a very weird place. I get it. I understand. But hopefully we've seen today just a couple of truths. And hopefully today we walk out seeing how great God is. He's up to something. He hears us. He cares about you. And then that you see the work of Jesus bigger than you've ever seen it before. If we get those things, we had church. Let's pray together. So Christ leads us once again to just a reminder that we do take the cross for granted. We think that our answers are in our bosses, our spouses, our kids, our bank accounts. They're not. Our answers ultimately are in your sovereignty and in your sovereign work. So we end this book or these verses by just saying thank you Jesus thank you Jesus that the only answer we have to know is that you live the perfect life that you attained holiness that you drank the full cup of the wrath of God that was due us and that those who trust in that one day will experience redeemed eternity where everything will make sense. And we will, like Adam and Eve, walk with you in the garden in the cool of the day. (laughs) What a day that will be. So Lord Jesus, as we respond and sing, continue to minister to our hearts before we take the table and as we prepared to take the table and remember anew the way that you have loved us. We love you, Jesus. It's your name we pray.